0: Amen. Thanks, Rick. Uh, Good morning. My name is Jonathan, one of the pastors here at uh, Redeemer. We are in the middle of a series on the book of Galatians. We're in chapter 5, so if you have a Bible and you want to open to Galatians 5, that would be great. If not, uh, it'll be on the screen behind me, uh, and it's also printed for you in a little insert in the worship folder, which looks like this um the title of the series that we are doing in galatians is called living in line with the gospel and uh you have heard myself and, and drew probably several times mention this to you uh what we mean by that is that the gospel creates lines or creates a a, a standard a, a a a way of living and it is our job as we Plumb the scriptures as we uh, live life with one another, and as we learn more of the gospel, to figure out how to get our lives in line with that. So it's kind of like we're out here in various uh, uh, various decisions and behaviors in our lives, and it's it's our job as we learn more of the gospel to get our lives in line with it. Uh, last week, if you were here, we were in this passage, same passage we're going to read this morning, uh, and. So this is week 2 in the same passage. Uh some of you may be thinking why? Um the short answer is there's just a lot in here. Uh and it's it, it's it's really too much to try and get done in one week. Um and I know that uh from from talking with uh, Drew and conversations we've had uh, if we ever go back through Galatians uh we'll go much slower. So those of you who are maybe thinking wow this is taking uh you guys are flying through this. Uh, Never fear, we'll go back through it uh, a few years down the line and and probably go much, much slower. So let me read to you from uh, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16 uh, through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other Let us also walk by the Spirit. Uh, This is God's Word. Uh, As I said, uh, two weeks in this passage may seem like a lot, but there is so much here. Last week, we talked about the battle inside each of us, that there is an opposition between the desires of the flesh on the one hand and the desires of the Spirit on the other. Uh, The song we sang earlier, uh, I told Drew, you know, perfect song for this passage, Lord, reign in me, uh, because our tendency is to want to reign ourselves rather than have uh, the Spirit of the Lord reign in our hearts. And uh, if you are keeping up with community Bible reading, which is uh, the Bible reading program we, we follow together as a church, uh, this week on Monday we read in Mark chapter 9, and this man who, who wanted his son healed by demon possession uh, got to the point where he he just cried out to Jesus, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Uh, and that's a perfect synopsis of, of our situation, that there's so much inside of us that says, I believe, Lord, uh, but so much inside of us uh, that says, help my unbelief, because there's this battle, this constant tension that I live with. But as Paul says in this passage, uh, the desires of the Spirit are really, if you're in Christ, and you're led by the Spirit, those are the things you really do want to do. Uh, and so we we all fight this battle. Uh, to get inside the passage, what I want to do is connect this with something Paul says in First in Corinthians 13. He, he's talking in First Corinthians 13 about, uh, well, he's talking in chapter 12, I should say, about spiritual gifts. And he's just gotten finished warning the Corinthians about the difference between using spiritual gifts to edify themselves and to edify one another. To build up the church versus building up uh, themselves, and he begins chapter thirteen by saying, "I might have charismatic spiritual gifts and abilities. I might have incredible faith and amazing vision as a leader. I might have. I might even give every, everything away that I have to the poor, and I might even be willing to be martyred for the faith. But if I don't have love, uh, I can do all of this without any love, without any real character." Or heart change. Um, the the irony is, this is what our culture tends to value, isn't it? We 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 tend to value gifts and abilities, talent, charisma, charm, appeal. We like people with magnetic personalities, you know, people that you can really get behind and, and follow. Uh, the only problem is, Paul says you can be one of these people and not have experienced transformational change, not have love. And if that's the case, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, you are nothing. So in other words, to link it up with Galatians 5 here, Paul's, Paul's contention is that the gifts of the Spirit matter less than the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, notice, I, I didn't say they don't matter at all, but they, they they just matter far less than we tend to think. Uh, the Scriptures seem to indicate what matters most in a person is the supernatural fruit of a transformed character, a supernatural the supernatural fruit of a transformed heart rather than these flashy, sexy gifts of the spirit. Um, an illustration for the perfect illustration for this, a friend of mine uh, used to be in vocational ministry. He was in vocational ministry for a number of years. Um, very charismatic, very, uh, everybody that was around him uh, kind of gravitated to him. Uh, he spent a lot of time with uh, in youth ministry and all the teenagers were Oh, man, you know, he he was a great speaker. He started to play guitar and would then lead music and then speak. I mean, he was just multi-talented, multifaceted. Everybody was amazed with the guy. Only problem was uh, he didn't really love his wife and hadn't for a number of years. Uh, He he had kind of a a hidden uh, porn habit. And some other things going on uh, inwardly that nobody really ever saw. So what you saw was the outward shell of, of these gifts of the spirit. And wow, this guy's great. And look at all he's doing. But inside, and, and, and if you really examined his character, if you got around him and spent a lot of time around him uh, and, and, and got into the deep nasties of his heart, there was no fruit of the spirit. Uh, and and today he's um, doing other things, uh, not a vocational ministry, not not even in the church. Uh, so it's really scary uh, how how this plays out. Um, I, I do want to remind you before we get into these lists, they are not a comparison of the behavior between non Christians and Christians. Okay, because as we get to the works of the flesh, if you don't think that these are not present in the church or maybe in your life, if you've ever struggled with some of these works of the flesh you're you're crazy okay um, some of these works of the flesh uh, very common in the church uh, and as long as there are sinners in the church, these will be common in the church okay um so first the flesh uh, what does it produce? look at verse nineteen uh, and really down through verse twenty one paul says that the works of the flesh are evident. They are well-known. They, they they like to be seen. They're often flashy. They're often showy. Um, but sometimes they're not flashy and showy. You've got some of these sins, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, drunkenness, uh, things like that. They tend to be public. Some of these sins, though, are, are, are often private. You don't tend to see jealousy, uh, you, you know, I mean they don't pull people over in cars for being jealous, right? Uh you're not going to have a uh, a jealousy under the influence or something like that, right? Th- those are those are much harder to see. But Paul is saying the works of the flesh are evident. Everybody knows what they are in other words, even people outside the church. But I want you to notice a couple of things that uh are fascinating about this list. First of all, there's 15 works of the flesh. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list because go to verse 21 and Paul says uh, things like these. OK, so he's sort of giving you broad categories and then he's saying things like this, you, you know, blah, 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 dot, dot, dot. OK, um, but listen to some of the uh, works of the flesh in, in thinking about the uh, the words that Paul uses. He, he, he talks about sexual immorality. Uh, sexual intercourse between unmarried people or impurity, unnatural sexual practices. Um, He talks about religion. He talks about idolatry and witchcraft, Um, very specific religious practices, uh, not worshiping the one true God. Um, Eight words he uses to describe how the flesh destroys relationships, words like selfish ambition, competitiveness, self-seeking, Envy, Uh, just another word for coveting, which, by the way, is one of the Big Ten. It's number 10 on the Big Ten list, right? Do not covet. It's a desire for what what others have and a a willingness to go to any degree to have what they have. Uh, Jealousy or zeal uh, that comes often from a hungry ego. You've got hatred. Uh, You've got discord, fight picking, argumentation. Uh, fits of rage, outbursts of anger. You've got dissensions, which are divisions between people and factions, permanent parties, warring factions. I mean, it's nasty stuff. And then you've got drunkenness and orgies. And orgies is not what we typically think of the word orgy. We typically think of these these sexual orgies. This word is referring to drunken orgies. A very popular thing in the... Uh, first century Greco-Roman culture. Popular thing today. Still, Drew was quick to remind me Uh like frat parties, right? Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> I wasn't in a frat, so I wouldn't know, but he was. So if you want to know about those, ask Drew. Um, notice what Paul does here, though. He doesn't categorize these things in various levels of sin, like Okay, the works of the flesh are the worst things you can possibly do in the flesh are sexual immorality and drunkenness and impurity and idolatry. He doesn't do that. In fact, you may have heard me say this, but out of 15 words, over 8 of them, well, over, eight, over 50%, 8 of them describe uh, relationship problems, works of the flesh that destroy relationships, not substance abuse, not sexual immorality. But things that destroy relationships. And the funny thing, I'm reading this list this week, and the funny thing about this list is, Paul doesn't do what the church has grown to do. That is, we highlight sins like sexual immorality, right? Drunkenness. These are the sins that are, these are the ones that are just irredeemable. You know, a homosexual is irredeemable. You you can't get them back. And, or we, or we just think, ew. When we talk about jealousy, or we talk about envy, or we talk about, you know, I've got a, a real problem with with fits of anger. We don't go, ooh. We go, well, that's, I'll pray for you. But when, you know, when somebody talks about uh, living a sexually immoral lifestyle, or having a problem with drunkenness, uh, we, we 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 say, get out. We don't have anything to do with them. Uh, and, and so it's fascinating to me. Paul puts all of them on equal par. He says, uh, these are all works of the flesh. They're all the same. Uh, and, and and remember, these are behaviors that result from the desires of the flesh that he talked about the first, in the first uh, three verses of the passage, which is a, a drivenness for something that creates an idolatrous enslavement. You want something so badly uh, that it, it becomes an idol and enslaves you or leads you into something like envy or 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 uh, alcohol is so important to you that it leads you into a, a lifestyle of drunkenness now you might be thinking uh, as as i do from you know looking at this list well i've struggled from time to time with blank uh, does that mean i'm out and the word paul uses in verse 21 I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The word's actually the word practice, okay? So it's a habitual lifestyle of one of these things that Paul is saying. Uh, It's obvious that if you are living habitually uh, with one of these works of the flesh in your life, evident in your life, then you don't have the Spirit. Uh, again, he, he's making a, a clear distinction here between being transformed by the Spirit and being under the influence of the flesh. Now, what's the Spirit produce? Uh, look at verse 21 and following. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and then goes on with the list, a, a very well-known list. We all, uh, if you've been in the church for any length of time or you've uh, read the Bible very much, you you know this list or you've heard people refer to this list before. These are the character traits that the Holy Spirit is replacing in you and me if we are in Christ. It's not so much that we feel stronger or more in control, but it's so that our character will be transformed and our habits will progressively change. So we will move away from being a person driven with envy to want what another person has to the Spirit bearing a fruit of contentment in us Uh, and kindness, and so we turn into a person that only wants good for everybody else. Like, I I rejoice when somebody gets a a raise, or I rejoice when somebody gets blessed with something. Wow, you got a new whatever. Isn't that great? Rather than, I wish I had that. It's a big difference. And we believe that this fruit will be, be born by the Spirit of Jesus, who we receive by faith, in the person and work of Jesus. I want. Uh, where's my Bible? Uh, if you have a Bible, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to, great. I'm going to read you just one verse out of the book of uh, John, out of the Gospel of John. It's John fifteen five. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. If you're abiding in Jesus, then this fruit will be born in you. If you are not in Jesus, if you're here, I'm I'm not sure if I'm a Christian or I'm definitely not a Christian. Then I'm here to tell you that this kind of behavior that many philosophers over the years, you know, Aristotle, Plato, many other guys who weren't Christians have identified these behaviors as very virtuous. Wasn't wouldn't society be much better off if people acted like this? Well, Duh. Of course society would be better if people were patient and gentle and kind and loving and peaceful. I mean, of course. However, people will not faithfully be bearing this type of fruit or behavior in their lives unless they are abiding in the vine who is Jesus. That is the only way that the Holy Spirit will bear this fruit in your life and my life. So, Uh, that's the only way the fruit's going to grow. Now, I want to define a couple of these for you, uh, if I can. You've got love, agape, to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not what they bring to you. You've got joy, delight in God and delight in His salvation. For, For the sheer beauty of who He is, you've got peace, confidence and rest in God more than your own confidence in his sovereignty more than your own. You've got patience, long-suffering. Do you know where we get the word long-suffering? It's just taking the word suffering and long time and putting them together. To suffer long. That's patience. I mean, that's what patience is. It's not waiting for the light to change. It, it, It goes far deeper than that. It is the ability to take trouble from others or from life without, I love this, blowing up. Okay? To suffer joyfully, to suffer long. Kindness, that's just practical generosity or empathy. Goodness. The, the, word, the Greek word actually means integrity. Do you know what the word integrity means? The word integrity means you are a whole person. It means that when you're in one situation, you're the same person as you are when you're alone or in another situation. The opposite of a person of integrity is a person of hypocrisy. You wear a mask, and you change the mask depending on where you are. Integrity just means wholeness. You are a person who is whole. Faithfulness. I love this word. Courage. Because, again, where do we get the word faithfulness? Faith. Full. Full of faith. A courageous person. It's someone who's utterly reliable and they're true to one's word. Gentleness is humility. Self-control is the ability to choose what, what, what needs to be done uh, right in front of you and, and being able to control yourself to, to handle that situation uh, rather than flying off the handle and all over the place. The, these are powerful, powerful behaviors. Now, why do you think Paul uses the word fruit? I love this word, Fruit. What are the implications for Paul's use of fruit? Well, first of all, uh, he wants us to know that this is slow, very slow. You do not grow in the fruit of the spirit in a week. There is no seven step program to growing in the fruit of the spirit. If you think there is, or if somebody's told you that, or you have worse, you've read a Christian book to that effect, throw it away, burn it better. Because it's a slow process. But furthermore, Paul uses the metaphor fruit to show it's done in you. It's not so much you doing it. It is something that is born in you by the Spirit of God. Um, if you like to garden, all you do to, to grow something, all you can do is prepare the ground. You put the seeds in. You water. You maybe put a little fertilizer down or what, you know, or, or, uh, you know, chicken poop or whatever it is you use, okay? Depending on whether you're growing organically or not. But you, you, you get the ground ready. You put everything in the ground, and then what do you do? Uh, you sit and wait. You pray for rain. You pray for the sun to shine, because ultimately, I can't get out there in my garden and 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 and, and you know, play a recorder like uh, they used to do in uh, the the ancient Near East and get a snake up out of a basket or something or 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 just get out there and pray really, really hard, grow, grow, or say some sort of magical formula. I have to trust that God is going to provide the means for that whatever it is, beans, tomatoes, fruit, to grow. The same thing in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is done in us. It's born in us. Notice, Paul does not say, the fruits of the Spirit are. And and this this is so powerful to me because for, for, the, for the, the last however many years of my life, I think of the fruits of the Spirit, and I actually say the fruits of the Spirit. I need to grow in joy. I need to grow in... But I call them the fruits of the Spirit. They're not the fruits of the Spirit. They are the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is... So really, if you think about a prism... Okay, and you hold a prism up to light. What happens? You get all these various colors coming through. Same light, different colors. That's exactly what he's talking about. The, these are all different facets of the same thing, which we'll we'll get to in in just a moment. They grow together. They depend upon one another. They are implied in one another. In other words, you, your joy is dependent upon your peace. So you need to ask yourself, not just am I a person of joy, but am I a person of peaceful joy? Not just am I a person of, of kindness, but I, am I a person of loving kindness? They're all related. This is, this is amazing. This, uh, this uh, old dead guy, Jonathan Edwards, uh, he's a Puritan from way back when, said this, the graces of Christianity are all linked together and are united one to another and are within one another as the links of a chain are. One does, as it were, hang on another from one end of the chain to the other so that if one link is broken, all fall to the ground and the whole ceases to be of any effect. That is powerful to think about the fruit of the Spirit that way. John says in, in 1 John 4.20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. In other words, you can't say, you know, I love God, but I'm, but I'm unkind I I I'm a I I'm a jerk to my brother and say I'm a Christian. Say I'm I have the fruit of the Spirit. That's the point. If you say you're this, but really you're over here, you're a liar, John says. So either love and kindness are there or they're not there at all. And the interesting thing is you read through this list, and different people can often say, you know, I I, I tend to be strong in the area. I'm a pretty joyful person. Okay? I'm not speaking for myself here. Um, I'm I'm growing in this area, but let's just compare my wife and I for a second. Very joyful person, my wife. Okay, bubbly, gregarious. Everybody likes to be around her. Not so much me. Okay. No, 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 no. It's not so much everybody wants to be around me. Everybody wants to be around you. Is what I'm saying. So that said, um. You may talk. You may say, you know, I'm a really joyful person, um, but when it comes to uh, kindness and faithfulness and, and stick to itiveness and, and 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 bearing with people or or situations, I, I'm not so good at that. Now, Paul says that somebody may be, uh, or if you if you look at this. Uh, you may have somebody who's, who's very gentle, very humble, very quiet, uh, but no joy. Uh, and and really, that that humility is a false humility. Oh, woe is me. Oh, nobody likes me. Oh, nobody wants to be around me. I'm speaking from experience here, okay. And and so the point is, they go together. So as you're growing in gentleness or humility, you're growing in joy. So I'm becoming a person with. Joyful gentleness or joyful faithfulness. So, again, you meet bubbly people oftentimes. I'm not saying this is my wife, but you meet bubbly people oftentimes, but, but they don't have a stick-to-itiveness. They're not going to be faithful to you or to a situation. Um, the fruit of the Spirit all go together. And if we understand them as all together, linked in a chain, we will come to see that even our so-called strengths need to be redeemed by the Spirit. Because you may be a person full of joy, but it's joy all about you. And until when things start to go south and they're not going exactly the way you want them to go, where's that joy go? Out the window. Now I become a person of anger. So even our strengths need to be redeemed by the Spirit. If you compare the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit... One, the works of the flesh, they are destructive, they are violent, they tear the fabric of individuals and their relationships, and they even tear the fabric of creation. They produce this animal-like behavior. Paul says in verse 15 of of, uh, Galatians 5, if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. That's what kind of behavior that the works of the flesh produce. But the fruit of the Spirit is healing it's restorative. It puts the fabric of, of, of the way the world is supposed to work back together, and it produces truly human behavior. And we talked about this last week. This, this is what true human beings act like. So the works of the flesh uh, is what sin has done to mar and corrupt and, 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 and tear the way human beings are supposed to act toward one another and, and, and themselves individually and toward God. The spirit comes in and radically transforms that to produce behavior that he says in verse 20, uh, uh, three against such things. There is no law. You cannot make a law. This is his point. You cannot make a law against anger. It's what I was getting to earlier. You can't make a law against jealousy. You can make a law against murder, but you can't make a law against anger. You know, the police can't pull you over for being angry at least until that anger flushes itself out to uh, road rage. But just in and of yourself driving down the road, you could be hopping mad. I mean, just as mad as you know how to be. And police can't pull you over for that. Society will never be able to invent laws to curb the works of the flesh. At least the ones that get deep down hidden away in us and affect our relationships to the degree that these do. So we want gospel character. That's really what we're talking about here. So how do we get it? Last but not least, how to change. How do we get it? I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Paul says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So first, how do we how do we change? By gazing at Jesus. Only then will our heart be transformed by the wonder of the gospel. I mean, holy smokes, if He would do this for me, if I'm this costly to love and yet He would come and do this for me, what would I not do for somebody else? If I realize how costly I am to love... What does that do to my pride? <laughs> Into the toilet goes your pride. You, you have no more. How could you possibly be prideful? How could I possibly be prideful? The spirit of God directs us to meditate and literally, that's what Paul's saying here, literally look on the glory of Jesus. What is the glory of Jesus? It is the person, character, and work that he has accomplished for us in the gospel. It's that he would leave the glories of heaven to come and be a man and become obedient to death, submit himself to injustice, to cruelty. So as the spirit of God directs us to meditate and look on the glory of Jesus, we become more and more transformed into his image, into his likeness. In other words, the fruit of the spirit grows into our character and we will change Slowly, fruit, gradually, I mean, to be sure, it's a gradual thing. He says, from one degree of glory to another. But the result, Paul says, is freedom. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, it's almost almost like you become yourself. You start to, oh, man, I'm really starting to feel like whole again. It's amazing. We are becoming truly human as we were designed to be. We are living as we were designed to live. We are walking according to the design. Now, if we, Paul says, verse 25, live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. And this is really part two. We keep in step with the spirit or we walk by the spirit on what we call the ordinary way. Now, listen, I'm almost done. Listen, your heart will only be transformed to the degree that you behold the glory of Jesus, to the degree that you, we all with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord. Okay? Your heart's only going to be transformed to the degree that you do that. You will only behold the glory of Jesus to the degree that you're walking behind and under the direction of the Spirit. Okay? Everybody with me? Yes? No? Okay. But you're only going to keep in step with the Spirit to the degree that you place yourself in the way of the Spirit, okay? You you, you, you have to really connect these things because they're all related. I'm not going to uh, behold the glory of the Lord and be transformed into His image unless I'm getting in the way of the Spirit. What's the way of the Spirit? Well, His Word, that's this. Uh, his sacraments, that's what we just did up here a few minutes ago, and the Lord's Supper. So Maddie and Leslie, by, by by getting their kids up here and getting them in the way of what the Spirit has said, this is what's going to produce my fruit, they're they're getting up here and they're, and they're saying, we need this. We need this for our kids. We need this for ourselves. And so you get in the way of the Spirit by His Word, by His sacraments, and by His people. I mean, holy smokes, if you think you were designed to live alone, go to Genesis chapter two, where God says the only thing out of all of this wonder of creation that I have made that is not good is what? Uh, That this guy right here is alone. He's not supposed to be alone. He's been. He's been walking through naming all these animals and hadn't been able to strike up a relationship with any animal. Hadn't been able to have a good conversation with an animal. Gee, I wonder why. That's because he was not made for that. He's made to have relationship, fellowship. As God the Trinity has had from all eternity, so was the man, and that's when he got Eve. You and I have got to have one another. If we don't have one another, we will die. We will fall off the face of the earth. Uh, We will miss out. So we gaze at Jesus more and more and his promises that we will experience growth and change. And his his fruit, the spirit of God's fruit will be born in us. Let's pray that God would produce that in us. Spirit of the living God, uh, fall upon us, we pray. Uh, produce your, your work in us, your, your, uh, your fruit in us. And as we've already sung rain in us.